Welcome into Jets Nation Radio, sponsored by Betway. Make sure you like and subscribe to Jets Nation Radio so you never miss a podcast. Welcome into Jets Nation Radio. I'm Angus Hout, joined by Ray Howe, as always. Uh, before I get to Ray, just a quick reminder, go check out Betway for your latest NHL futures odds. Maybe bet on the Jets to win the Stanley Cup. I mean, it's a long shot, but Ray, how much money would you put down for the Jets to win the Stanley Cup? I don't know. I feel like a good, like, $10. Like, you're. it's not like you're losing anything if they don't win, but then if they do win, you're still going to get a good pretty penny at the end of the day. So, yeah. And I feel like that would be a nice little surprise, putting $10 down and kind of forgetting about it. And then once they get to the cup final, you realize how much you could be in for. So, yeah, I'm just looking up the odds on the Jets right now because that was an, an unexpected question from myself. But Betway, they're kind enough to provide us that answer. As soon as I can pull it up, I will give you that answer of how much money you would win off of your $10 bet in this hypothetical. All right. So we have been working on a top 25 list, and then we both submitted our list and then immediately started arguing on this. So uh, <laughs> I think it's going to be a good idea if we uh, if we break this down over the next couple of weeks. We'll start with our top, like we'll go from... The 25 most important Jets in our hearts. So we'll start at number 25. We'll go to number 20. And then next week we'll do 19 to 15, so on and so forth. So I'll let you go first with your list if you have that ready. Yeah. If not, I can always get going on yeah, that. Yeah, I have my list ready. So beautiful. just a couple honored, honorable mentions that I have that didn't quite make my list. I had three. Um, Colin Delia, good third string goalie there and could play backup minutes at some point. We got Declan Chisholm and we got... Logan Stanley so those were the three that didn't quite catch my list so but at the end of the list like it's so hard to figure out who you want on that bottom of the list and it's more personal preference at that point so are we going one by one or are we am I doing all five first? let's go one by one at this point okay so for my 25th most important jet I had Jansen Harkins iconic yeah. uh why why him there like i mean he's kind of lost some favor and like yeah i the reason why i had harkins over some of those above mentioned players is he was really good in the ahl and i don't think he was an ahl caliber forward and i feel like if he had the full time with the jets like he could have had a season pretty similar to what we saw from the bottom six of the likes of axel and the likes of uh stenlin so i feel like he was just one of those people that kind of was the the 14th man in that case where he wasn't on the NHL team, but he was probably just as good as the people that were on the NHL team. So I feel like Harkins is someone that is going to be hungry to prove that he's an NHL player. And if he's traded, I feel like he could be someone that's really good for another team as well. Interesting, interesting. Because, like, I personally look at Jansen Harkins, and you're not wrong for where you put Jansen Harkins. Like, it's a good spot for him. I just don't know if he's got that drive to be that next guy or to be a full-time NHL or like, he's obviously too good for the AHL talent wise, but I don't know if he's got like that killer in instinct to be a full-time NHL -er. And yeah, he does feel like a good 14th, 15th kind of a forward for this team. Like we could run another line. He'd be there for sure. Um, but he kind of lost a spot to Stenland as well. So mm -hmm. You kind of feel for the guy that he lost his spot to a guy that shouldn't have been on this team, but you know, Stenland obviously earned his spot. 
my number 25 guy is Logan Stanley, the probably what I think eighth forward with this team. I don't see Billy Hanala getting a, getting ahead of him just because of the size difference. It's it's unfair, it's dumb, but it, just in the ranking of importance, Logan Stanley is my number 25 guy. Yeah. For my 24th ranked player, I had Billy Hainola, someone that I wish was a lot higher on this list, but just in terms of how many games he's played and just the overall impact he's had in that game, like I I couldn't put him higher just based on where he's been and obviously next year if we do this list I'm hoping he's a lot higher on this list into that late teens maybe even the mid-teens there if he gets the right playing time but again he's going to be 22 years old coming up and it's just someone that isn't gotten the opportunity and he's been passed in the depth chart by Sandberg and with bearing a trade he's going to be in a quite similar situation as he was this year and i feel like he just doesn't have the opportunity to be higher on this list the one guy praying for a jets defenseman to get injured at this point uh, my number 24 guy is colin delia third string goalies i value them really highly uh maybe a little too high in my own in in the rest of the world uh but you know you you lose either lb or connor hellebuck you need a guy to back up especially if you lose connor hellebuck so that's where I put him. Uh, you're number 23. Yeah, so my number 23 was Kyle Capobianco. Uh, I feel like he was a really good seventh defenseman this year. Like, I feel like he's what a modern seventh defenseman is. Like, you can put him in and, like, you can get a little bit of offense from him. But, like, he's just a good all-around defenseman when he got the time to play. And honestly, I, I when I saw him in the lineup, I would prefer him over Logan Stanley. And... That's the main reason why uh, Logan Stanley didn't make my list is because Logan Stanley, in my mind, was the eighth defenseman and just didn't have the opportunity. So, yeah, Kyle Capobianco, I'm not sure if he's ever going to be much higher on a list in the future, but, again, he's a reliable seventh defenseman, and you you need that in the NHL these days. Oh, absolutely, and I love Kyle Capobianco for what he does, and I've, I've actually seen a lot of people start to question why did the Jets even bring that guy in, um, and my best explanation for anyone that's like, why do we have Kyle Capobianco? It's just because he's a few years older than, well, is he older than Chisholm? Uh, yeah, so Chisholm is 23 right now, and I think uh, Kyle Capobianco just turned 26 years old yeah. just recently. Yeah, I, th- you're, I think you're right on with that, so... Uh, yeah, just the age difference. Cause I mean, goalie or defensemen just kind of take that time to develop and you, they need to kind of age up. So that's why we have a guy like Kyle Capobianco and he, you're absolutely right. The modern seventh defenseman. I like that. You, you, you nailed it there, buddy. Uh, my number 23 is Billy Hanala. Exact same reasons as you. I can't. Yeah. I got nothing new to say about Billy. So uh, yeah, just unfortunate. Where... It really is. Like, that's a kid that should be crushing it. Like, maybe not Kale McCarr crushing it, but he should be up there. He should be talked about in the NHL at this point. But uh, poor planning almost kind of screwed that guy over. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we're talking about him in, like, the number 12 position next year. That would be just phenomenal. Yeah. Number so, 22? Yeah, for, yeah, my number 22, I have a little bit of a run of a Europeans now here, so... In my 22 spot, I had David Gustafson. I felt like he was a player that 
was really good in the bottom six. Like he was mostly on the fourth line, but I felt like he brought something to that fourth line that not a lot of uh, like young fourth liners bring. And I felt that he had a really good forecheck and kind of physical game. And if he can develop that more, I feel like he's going to be in a battle for to be a an NHL regular this year. So I feel like if he brings more of what he brought last year, I feel like he could be a pretty good fourth line guy on that that lineup there and maybe even have a chance to play with Barron depending on how the lineup goes. So I feel like Gustafson really needs to earn his shot here, and I feel like he has the right type of play style to, to fit the bottom six there. Okay, so my uh, 22 and 21 are your 22 and 23. So I've got uh, Kyle Capobianco for number 22 and David Gustafson for 21. So exact same answers as you basically on those guys. Uh, they're important seventh defenseman. Gustafson, you know, needs to come in here and kick some ass and do his thing. Um, so yeah, I'll let you slide on up to number twenty-one on your own end. So my twenty-one is someone that I was kind of surprised you didn't have mentioned in your list. Um, uh, with Axel Johnson Fialbi, I was. I uh, I think I uh, I screwed up on that one. I was yeah. going through everything. I was like, yeah, this is a perfect list. And now that I'm looking yeah. at it, because I was like, who am I missing on this list that have got Logan Stanley in number 25 and AJF? Yeah, I feel like AJF is, like again, a really good bottom six player, but he plays a completely different style than Gustafson. I feel like and that kind of provides different ways your bottom six can be structured, where Gustafson is good on the forecheck, a good physical body. And I feel like Axel is a guy that's a good speedy forechecking and just on the forecheck as well. But he provides a little bit of skill too. Like he had 14 points in 50 games. And it's like, like he got when, uh, when there was the injuries to Nick Ehlers and Appleton, like he was someone that was put on that Dubois line when they were kind of put in anyone there. Sam Gagne was there in that position as well. So I feel like, uh, Axel has a really good chance at being ahead of Gustafson just because of his uh, impact and his age too. He's a little bit older, a little bit more mature. And again, like the, the, the Jets are going to have like an embarrassment of riches of what they can do for that bottom six. And this is just at the bottom of the list here. So, and there's not to mention the young prospects coming up too that might, fight for a spot with the Lucius's and the Lamberts. So, and there's always those AHL guys like Malat and, and Reichel who are going to try to put their hat in the ring too. So I feel like Axel is someone that is in the front running for a fourth line spot. But again, with the competition here, I feel like it's a great problem to have. Unlike the defense problem. Yes. I, uh, I totally agree with you on that. Uh, Man, not much pushback today on my end. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, Axel Johnson Vialvi. And like, there's some of me that almost wants to see him not fail, but watch other people succeed over top of him. Because like, like you said, he'd be a great fourth line guy. And like, could you imagine like him, Gus, and I don't know, like Kapari all on that fourth yeah. line? Like that would just be a deadly line. Um but at the same time, that could almost be a fifth line for the Jets where where we're looking at them at this point. Like, it's really only the right wing that you're kind of like, ooh, that's uh, that's not looking too handsome if, uh, if injuries end up happening. 
Uh, I'll get you to jump on your number 20 because of, yeah, like I said earlier, I've got David Gustafson at my number 21 and I don't need to steal your thunder. Oh, are we doing all the way to 20? I thought we were doing five at a time. Oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm bad <laughs> at math. I, yeah, so like that, that's uh, our first chunk of Jet, the Jets ranking of importance. Uh, I got to come up with a better name than that, but we'll figure something out. So if you're like, that was lame, you guys didn't even argue. Uh, wait till we get up into like <laughs> even next week. Next week, where we're already scrapping on who goes where and why. Uh, so yeah, lots of fun. Uh, let's uh, carry on with the program. So I've been listening. So like we took last week off and I thought I'd go back and listen to a bunch of content that I, I've put out and that we put out uh, towards the back half of the season when things start to go real south, real fast. Um, and I'm kind of wondering, why should we believe that the Jets are going to be a good team this season? I think that we have to believe that they're going to be a, uh, a good team this season as like they made changes, like they recognized that they needed to make changes, and like again, like if they went into the season again with like a Dubois hanging issue over and still having Wheeler in there, like it's not like it's gonna be same old, same old. It's kind of gone stale. But they've addressed their issues where Wheeler's no longer on the team. They were able to trade away Dubois, which obviously had some effect onto the team. I know, I remember seeing Ehlers with a. Like they were doing like a media thing together and it's like you could tell that Ehlers was like, yeah, this guy might not be around. And it's like it affects people some sometimes. So I feel like when you have the problems addressed, like obviously we didn't fix every single problem. There's still Shapley and Hellebuck who are UFAs to be in a year from now. So obviously there's still a lot to do, but there's changes made and a lot of Jets fans wanted change. And you can't really get mad at Chevaldeo for the changes he's made. It's like you're complaining that you need more change to happen when he made change. So, like, you can't ask for change and then be like, oh, we need more change than that. So I feel like Chevaldeo has done a good job. And I feel like it's a younger team. Like, I feel like it's a team where it's more not reliant on one player. Like, I feel like Kyle Connor's going to be taking on a lot more responsibility for sure. But the depth is a lot better, and a lot of people are going to be counted on more in the later roles, like in the third, fourth line. Like, like I feel like someone like Kupari, like with the faceoffs he has, like, and Velarde with what he was able to bring. Like, these new players bring different elements to the team that the Jets didn't have, and I feel like with that, it's something that you need to believe in to start the season. See, you just think like enough changes happen that this team should be ready to go. Come yeah. October four. I wouldn't say it's a un, yeah, or I wouldn't say it's like like all the changes that need to be made, but it's definitely the changes that like were required. Like the Jets had options on how much change they wanted to do. They did the changes that needed to be done with Wheeler and and Dubois, obviously. And I can't deny seeing a change with uh Shifley and Hellebuck would be something that probably would have been something to entertain at that point. But if the, the deals aren't there, the deals aren't there. So do you think can't... if uh, Shifley and Hellebuck were traded like that almost would have been too much of a shake up to the core? Yeah. I feel like that's what uh shovel day thought. Like he's already getting rid of Wheeler, who is a longstanding key component of this team and then trading away Dubois, who 
as much as the the trade we got for Dubois was a really good deal, like Dubois is the best player in that trade and most likely going to put up the most points in that trade next year. So I feel like if you're trading away a top two centerman, like you can't be trading both of your top two centermen in one off season and solely rely on your young people that haven't really played a lot of NHL center. Like I know that like Jets fans are, and even management want to see what Velarde and Perfetti have at the center position. So, but to go into the season with both of them as the top two centers with the limited experience they have, I feel like it was a little risky to do those moves without bringing in a center back for Shifley. Nice. Uh, Nick Schmidt has been tearing up the beauty league once again this summer. Uh, have you seen any of his highlights? No, but I, I've, I saw his highlights last year. So I'm guessing it's probably more of him just, just being a beauty over there. So. Absolutely, man. It's just, it's so much fun to see Nate Schmidt go all out and like do what he really needs to do. Um, do you think that bonus should just let him go insane with the offense and just, you know, give her everything he's got on that? Or do you think it's, you know, he should be playing that third pairing role where he's kind of covering somebody's ass? I think he's probably going to be on that third pairing role again. But again, like uh, Schmidt was on the second power play. And like, even just last year, like he put up 30 plus points. So I feel like the offense is there and he can definitely be a key guy on that back end if he's playing great. And it really depends on if you're like, like the Jets probably have five top four defensemen, almost even six that could play in the top the top four and be good defensemen. I'm not saying that they're actual top four defensemen, but someone like Stamberg, like you could put Sandberg in that top four and he could perform. You could put anyone in that top four and they would be pretty good in that role. So it, I feel like for Nate Schmidt specifically, he's probably going to be on that third pairing again and probably that second power play. And I feel like he just needs to, I feel like he has an opportunity now if he's still playing with either Dylan or Sandberg. I feel like Sandberg has learned a lot more now and is becoming a better player and a better two-way player where he doesn't need to basically cover for them defensively as much anymore. So he can be more offensive in that way. So yeah, I feel like he has an opportunity to kind of go on the offensive side a little bit more this year. You know what I kind of find crazy is I like Nate Schmidt's first year, uh, 2021-22. I remember a lot more com- people complaining about his style of game where he scored 32 points uh, rather than last year where he only scored 19 points. And, you know, like you said, he definitely did a lot of favors for young Dylan Sandberg. And, you know, he even had that ga- uh, scratch game where he wasn't playing up to snuff uh, for Rick Bonus. Yeah. And, and I really hope that we get to see a, like just a, pure form of Nate Schmidt maybe not the 36 point guy that we saw way back in the day but yeah and 25 points for that guy would be just phenomenal yeah and that's why I think he's probably like with that post that you were when you were saying who the most underrated jet is I like I instantly thought of Nate Schmidt just because he plays that right side and as a left shot d and that's not easy to do like a lot of people just like oh he's playing defense like it's easy not like not every single defenseman can play both sides and just what he brings off and off on and off the ice and what he can bring on the ice too. Like we saw last year with 32 points, like he's someone that 
is a great defenseman, and I feel like he his contract just kind of overshadows a lot of people's judgment on him. And if he ever makes a mistake, they always say, "Oh, he shouldn't be paid six million dollars." But he is like a very important piece to that defensive core. Yeah, not just the defensive core, but the locker room as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, uh, kind of going back to like, you know, what if the Jets are bad? Or, you know, why should we believe that the Jets are going to be good this upcoming season? Um, but what should happen with Mark Shifley if he has like another poor start to a season where those old habits kick in hard and he starts to have that man-child attitude towards bonus? I think he's like, at that point, it's not the best time to trade Shifley because obviously teams are going to realize what's going on here. I think he's going to have to figure it out and... Like, it's going to be a contract year, so Shifley's going to want to figure it out for himself, too, because the difference between him playing like that for the whole year and then having a year similar to this where he had 42 goals, that could be the difference of, like, billions of dollars over probably one of his last big paydays in the NHL. So I feel like Shifley's going to have to kind of move past or find a new gear in that way of if he's slipping into old habits or not being as productive, he's going to have to find a way too because the Jets are reliant, more reliant on him with younger centers behind him, like Velarde or Perfetti as your second-line center. Like Obviously, they're very good players and, could, and good top-six options, but he's a veteran on this team, and he's going to have to prove that he's a leader as well. So he's going to have to find a way out, and he's going to have to find a way to be productive. Yeah, 100%. You hope that Shifley finds that gear. And I mean, like, a lot of those goals, did they not come in the first half of the season when he was just absolutely yeah. owning it? Yeah, so, he was top. And it was, it was very, and then at the very end, it was just not fun anymore because we, I kept saying that he, like, was he the worst 40 goal scorer this year? And it's like, I think worst 40 goal scorer ever. Yeah. And it's like, you can't have that type of consistency issues through the year. Like, You can't be near the top of the league in scoring all the way to December and then just kind of take the the rest of the season off and cruise to 40 goals. Like, obviously, you got to be a talented player to get 40 goals, but you got to bring it every night. And I feel like Shifley lacks in that type of department of bringing that effort on a nightly basis and just in the defensive zone as well. So it'll be interesting to see what, what type of Mark Shifley we get because it could be a whole new Mark Shifley as well. Like we could see a whole new breed of him getting 90 plus points. Like, yeah. Like if he played that, that 200 foot game, if that's what clicked on, Oh, be unreal. Like he, he was a minus 16 last year and scored 68 points, 42 goals. Like, Oh, Mark Shifley figure it out, man. Cause yeah. Minus 16 after that kind of a phenomenal season. It's kind of why people talk about him being, the worst possible 40 goal score. And I mean, like he's a guy that wants to talk that talked a lot about legacy earlier in his career as well. And you know, what's the legacy of Mark Shifley at this point? He was a first yeah. draft pick by the jets. Yeah. I feel like he's that type of player where it's like, you always wish he was doing better. Like obviously <clears> he was like a point per game player for the longest time. And he was like a consistent point per game player. And I feel like a lot of people just kind of expected that of him and he delivered. So 
not a lot of people expected more of him. Like no one was saying like Mark Shifley was really good this year. I want to see him be better. Like no one like there wasn't like I feel like he was just not putting higher expectations on himself and really just didn't progress. And like I I want to see a Mark Shifley that gets a whole two hundred two hundred uh way game for the whole season and puts up some points like seventy plus points. And I feel like that Mark Shifley might be the best Mark Shifley we've seen in years. Yeah. Like I'll take a 70 point Mark Shifley. If he goes 35, like, you know, 40 goals and 30 assists or, you know, whatever variation of 70 you want, man, that would be a, such a good Mark Shifley. And like earlier in the season, when we were watching him make those defensive plays, like, did you not enjoy that version of Mark Shifley? Yeah. Like it was like, it kind of, it was almost like a mirage in some way where like, you see this Mark Shifley and you're like, wow, he's like really figured it out. He's playing that 200-foot game. He's scoring goals. He's feeling it. And then now you go into February, and if you watch the Mark Shifley again, he's going to look like a completely different player. Mm-hmm. And that's not something you can really do as an NHL player when obviously he's in a UFA year this year. So like those types of performances and discrepancies between them is going to affect his bottom dollar. Well, and like, and like he goes off of the Bible of Adam Oates, or it's like offense, offense, offense. And it's just like, dude, you know, there's a reason why people only talk about Adam Oates as the professional trainer at this point and not as one of the goats. It's because the dude was just focused on offense and was just kind of a bit of a dummy. And I just, it feels like that Adam Oates mentality is just passed on to Mark Shifley and it's just hindered the poor guy. Mm-hmm. So listen to bonus there, Mark Shifley. I promise it'll work out for mm-hmm. everyone. Um, actually, bonus. Uh, I was uh, while we were away there. I was looking at what his contract looks like. I kind of forgot. But if he wants and the Jets organization wants, they can part ways and not deliver on that third year of a contract. Do you think that's yeah. going to be something that the Jets or like that could actually really affect this locker room that they might just tune out bonus? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see because. Yeah, it was a two-year contract with bonus, and then they had the option for that third year. So it's not even guaranteed for that third year yet. So as of right now, I'm pretty sure at the end of this year, if he's not had that option extended, the Jets are going to be having a new head coach come next year. So it's going to be interesting to see because obviously bonus is a great coach. We saw how early in the year, like he was making such an impact and with almost the eight or the all-star game coach for the central at some point. So it's really disappointing to see where he was. So like, he's kind of that coach where you see him succeed and you get happy. And then when you want him to be your coach and then sometimes it just doesn't work out. So I would love to see bonus still as his coach, but depending on the season, it might not be the best direction for the jets to go as well. So it's so going to be really dependent. Do you think that they would just like move on from this entire coaching squad that they have now and just, uh, and then like even just ditch on Scott Arneal or would you just bring in Scott Arneal as your next head coach if things go south this season for the Jets? Yeah, it really depends. Like, like if they're like a around what they did this year, like I feel like you're keeping bonus and I feel like it really has to go off the rails for. Like miss playoffs by a large margin, kind of. Yeah, like or like if we're trading away Mark Shifley and Hellebuck come deadline or anytime during the season, I feel like that question mark's gonna come up on if bonus is the guy to 
be the coach next year. So obviously, Bonus is a great coach and a great competitor. So it'll be interesting to see what uh, the Jets decide to do with their head coaching into the future. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, so uh, Daily Faceoff has their lineups of all the teams. And right now they've got Nikolai Ehler sitting in the top right wing slot. <sighs> Are you how worried of are you about the right side for the Jets? Because like that does not inspire me in any way, shape, or form. I'm actually not as scared personally. I know Nikki Ehlers has some injury concerns, but with the trade that we had, like Velarde and Ayafalo are both players that can play all three positions. Ayafalo probably not as strong as a centerman and hasn't really played it as much, but he said that he would be able to play anywhere on the ice. So if anything were to happen, I feel like Velarde could step up to that first line right wing slot. And then you have another guy that's so versatile in Vladimir I feel like a lot of the players in that middle to bottom six, a lot of them are adaptable. Like they're not just a left winger. They're not just a right winger. Like they can, they can all step up and like Nino can go from the third line right wing to the second line right wing. And you can swap it around a lot more. So I'm not as worried about the right side. And there's some guys like Brad Lambert that might help it out as well. That's true. I always forget about your boy, Brad Lambert. Um, (laughs) I guess. Yeah. That's uh, that's actually something I totally forgot about was Lambert. Um, But like, it's just like, if you lose Nikolai Ehlers and you know, this is just my ignorance towards Ayafalo and Velarde there where it's like, do I, know that they could step into a top line role like i i know that we saw you know sam gagne step into that top line role and like that's something that he did really early in his career so it's not something out of that realm of possibility but i just and even vlad and Mastikov, where it's like yeah i know you can play there but how effective are you really going to be in that position yeah uh one thing with velarde though too like i think a lot of people see his ice time and be like oh he was mostly on that like third line there was points of the season where he was playing that top line with Kevin Fiala and and Kopitar there. So, like, he's someone that can really play anywhere. Like, he could be on your third line. He could be on your first line. Like, he's someone that can go anywhere in the lineup, and he's going to make an impact, whether that's a great defensive play or he's scoring a goal. So, I feel like the Jets have options. Even though the options, like, obviously you want Nikki Ehlers in your lineup and have him on your top line right wing in opposed to someone like Vlad Nemestikov, I'm not scared that Vlad Nemestikov would be called upon if need be, because I feel that shows that you believe in your depth and you're not really panicking when someone goes down. And every it's like that, like the next man up mentality that Bonus and the team was always on about, like you can't really control the injury sometimes, so you just got to step up. Everyone kind of take a little step forward and help make up the production and then you have a new guy coming in that's also hungry to make an impact on the nhl as well look at you making me believe in this team this week i've had like a long two weeks where i'm like maybe this team isn't going to be as good as i think they are but you've restored some faith in me there ray i I have one as well too okay Um, well then so i was reading online that uh chisholm was actually holding out for a one-way contract and I was just wondering, what do you think the odds of, because we saw this last year with Kovacevic being claimed on waivers. So I was just wondering, what do you think the odds of something like that happening with Chisholm 
where they try to pass him through waivers and a team tr- picks him up and you see him succeed a little bit in that team. Yeah, I think I could see another lost moose that ends up going somewhere that ends up having a reasonable career and ends up having just big nights against the Jets. That's just one of those things where it's like, and like, you're not going to trade a guy like Chisholm for a fourth round. Like, I mean, uh, Detroit just traded for Jeff Petrie today for a fourth rounder and a prospect. And I'm like, oh, how would you be able to move a guy like Declan Chisholm, who tons of ups- upside, could be a great third pair guy, maybe even a second pair guy. Um, yeah, the Jets are just simply going to lose him or and, and or if they try to trade him because you know that you're not going to be able to keep him on this team unless a freak injury happens to one of the Jets during training camp. It's yeah, I don't see it happening. I, I see him moving on, unfortunately. And yeah, it's just the it kind of sucks when the Jets have too good of uh, drafters because, yeah, we keep pulling good, great drafts. So are you in the same boat there? Yeah, I feel like it's kind of like a combination of that log jam that we have. Like, it's just something that, like, I wish was addressed more. Like, maybe, like, even trading away, like, someone like Dylan or uh, Hinola. Like, I feel like, I feel like there's a defenseman on the team that should have been traded by now, whether that's Dylan or even Chisholm, Logan Stanley. Like, I feel like there's one defenseman too many that could be in the NHL and, Obviously, you want to have depth, but you can't carry nine NHL defensemen on your NHL roster. So there's going to be some type of change there. And as much as I love every single one of the Jets defensemen, I feel like it's for the, not just for the Jets, but I feel like it's best for the players where they might get a better opportunity elsewhere to be more of an impactful player. Um. All right. Final question for you. Uh, Dale McCarr is the... Uh, cover athlete for nhl 24 which jet do you want to see on the nhl series um i think it would probably have to be josh morrissey like one of those ones where he goes to one knee uh after scoring the goal like one of those like fist pumps i feel like that would be pretty cool but again like it makes me sad that jets players probably don't have an equal chance at being on that cover so yeah you would have to have a mcdavid type season three seasons in a row before ea would even consider having a jet on that box yeah the last one that was on one was uh patrick line for the finished version of one of the games so that <laughs> that's how long ago it's been it's been a while you know what i'm the, again the goalie guild you know what no give kyle connor his go on that cover like if he does another 50 goal season, why not? Like he's another fun guy that would be on there. Yeah. If not Connor Hallebuck, one of those two guys, that's where I'm going. Uh, Ray for realsies this time, <laughs> where can we find you on the internet? Yeah. You can find me at ray.how on Instagram. And if there's any questions or you want to send in your own list of top 25 jets, we can even see what rankings you have and how they compare and contrast and maybe even make a, consolidated ranking for all the people that send them in so we can see that could you imagine if like 10 people sent in their top 25 lists for this that'd be so much fun and then we could have big debates Mm -hmm. uh so yeah send in your list top 25 i want to see them 
And then maybe we'll like make a definitive 2023 list and see how right or wrong the collective was. Uh, yeah. And please send in your questions. We're in the dog days of summer. I've got nothing. I stared at a computer screen for 45 minutes before I could come up with two of these questions. So <laughs> somehow I made it work, but oh boy, that's frustrating. Um, so yeah, ask your questions. I love them. And you can follow me, Angus out, Instagram and Twitter, X, whatever the hell you want to call it stupid elon uh, <laughs> i'm still mad about that uh yeah uh if you see me out at events feel free to chat i uh, like working for 921 city i love talking to you guys about music and the jets so it always makes me pretty happy and my co-workers are always impressed that i'm mildly famous at this point so yeah <laughs> drop by say hi check out jets nation on all sorts of social medias make sure to like and subscribe do all that fun stuff Follow Ray, ask us questions, drop your top 25, and have a great week. Go Jets go, and peace and grace, go friends. Jets go.